Hi, I'm Eric Dalma, pastor at Gospel of Grace Fellowship, and I'm in studio along with Gospel of Grace's theologian and teacher, Bob Dewey. We both want to welcome you here to Critical Issues Commentary Radio, where we dig into the great doctrines of the faith revealed verse by verse through the scriptures, and where we teach you how to contend for the faith once and for all handed down to the saints. Well, Bob, it's great to be with you in studio here on this cold uh, December day. We're about zero degrees out there, but it's warm in here and we've got fish on the wall. Well, we're ready to do radio. That's right. That's right. Now, we're going to be discussing today a passage in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 that you had preached back in September. And uh, I thought it was very good. It was very insightful as to just how it is that God builds up his church that we're no longer to be children tossed to and fro by every doctrine, but right. that we're, to, we're called to maturity. Right. And uh, I just want to begin by asking you about some of the connections that you made here to how Christians are made to be mature believers. And you had kind of talked about how this is being distorted in the church today by false means of sanctification and well, false promises. There's a lot of distortion because you have... For one thing, we've talked about the Enneagram and the yeah. solitude, silence, and stillness, and mystical practices. And then other versions bring in psychology, human wisdom, processing people's past. You have deliverance as people casting out demons in order to sanctify Christians. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, or they're trying to break curses. And so they're... There's so many different ways. There's Keswick holiness, second blessing doctrines. And I've spent 25, 30 years of my life writing articles about one after another after another of these false versions of sanctifying Christians. Yes. And the reality is the simple truth is a lot easier than all of the complicated <laughs> replacements that are out there. Right, right. Okay, and so today, as we're in Ephesians 4, and we're going to start with verse 12, what we have is that God has ordained the authority of Scripture and the priesthood of every believer. Right. And we're going to show that this equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, which is for the benefit of the whole body of Christ, Right. okay, is grounded in, in the book of Ephesians in the foundation being Christ the cornerstone Amen. and his apostles and prophets as the foundation and the individuals as the building blocks, as we talked about in our previous shows on this. Right. And now we're fast-forwarding a little bit to how this works as far as the process of maturity. That's right. Okay, as these building blocks are going in, building up the church throughout church history. Right, amen. On this one foundation laid once for all, how does this work? Yeah, and just for the listener's sake, the passage Bob is referring back to is Ephesians 2.20, where it says the church was built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone, and mm -hmm. you did a great sermon on that as well. But Bob, what I'll do is I'll read the passage here, and then what I thought I would do is just have you start commenting on some of the significance of it. I'm just going to back up one verse to verse 11, just for a little context, and we'll be covering 12 and 13. I think I goofed that up earlier, but here in verse 11, it says, and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and so there's your foundation that you talked about, and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Verse 12, he says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ 
Verse 13, he says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Yes. Yeah, so there is our passage. And what we're going to see is that there are some translation issues. Yeah. And I preached a sermon on this on September 15th, 2019, and that's available ggf.church under our sermons. Right. But I dealt with a translation issue that makes a huge difference theologically. A lot of times they don't. Yeah. But this time, it really does. Right. Okay, so let me read from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Right, right. I used, I think, the new RSV when I did a sermon. But here's the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 12, and 13. For the training of the saints in the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now, that would show the saints doing the work of the ministry. Sure, okay? sure. Verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Yes. I don't know why I didn't think about using Holman Christian Standard. Yeah. I must not have noticed it when I was preparing my sermon. Yeah. But I think that's the best translation I have on it. Yeah, very good. Okay. So the reason for the issue is that there is a question, who does the ministry? Right. And here's why it's theologically significant. If you translate it one way, you have a major clergy laity distinction. Right, which isn't in the text. Which I don't believe the text is trying to say, but it's been translated that way. Yeah. And one of the major translations that does it that way is the King James, which a lot of people use. Right. Which creates a big clergy-laity distinction. Now, I'm not accusing anybody of having one motive or another, but I don't think they got it right. Right. Okay, because I don't think the text is trying to say that the apostles and prophets and evangelists and so on do all the ministry and we're just the recipients of it. Right. If we're not one of them, but that the saints are the ones equipped to do the ministry. Yes. Okay. So I have here in the PowerPoint I used to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. I believe that's correct. Now, there are five ministry gifts that we talked about yeah. in, a, in a previous sermon that I did on this. But the purpose of them is equipping the entire body of Christ. Amen. And besides just the grammar of Ephesians, which I think we can argue and will argue, points to all the saints being equipped. Yeah. I would also say that if you compare other writings of Paul. Yes, same thing. Okay. You go into 1 Corinthians yes. 12, you see that he warns against elitism that we need every member of the body of Christ right. and everyone is gifted for serving one another yeah. and love serve one another. And so in my sermon that I just re-listened to, because that's some months ago when I preached it, I was talking about a picture of a cathedral. I had seen one on a TV documentary and something. Massive cathedral with all kinds of gold and fancy stuff on the sides and fancy windows. Everything was going up to a spire. Everything was pointed. The rafter were way up high, pointed. 
The windows are pointed. And when they have ordination services, they have archbishops or or cardinals or whoever with pointy hats. Right. And this great big massive thing, and they back up the shop, and the pews are kind of narrow, and there aren't that many people in there. And the people are just sitting there, and they're overwhelmed by this picture of some kind of a awe-inspiring architecture, and they have no place in it. Right. They're just sitting there, and they're doing their duty. They show up, and all of this stuff happens. They have their altar and their incense and their, well, whether it's Episcopal or Roman Catholic or yeah. Anglican or whatever. You get the high church idea. Right. They're just spectators looking out. They're spectators. Yeah. And they show up for, when their the kid is born to be baptized, which we don't believe in that. Exactly. And they show up and do their duty and say what they're supposed to say and go home and there, I'm a Christian. Yeah. And so there you have a picture of the clergy lady division in stark terms. Right. How many millions of people go to places like that that are called church? That's right. And they have no clue that God called them to do anything. Yes. They're just spectators. They're just told, don't neglect your religion. Right. Put the money in the offering plate and be quiet. Show up and do everything we tell you. Yeah. And raise your kids in the church and don't neglect your religion. Right, right. That's what a hierarchical church looks like. The garb shows it. The architecture shows it. Everything shows it. Right. The people are pawns. Yes. Now they may say, oh, no, no, you're you're not being fair. We, we love the people. Okay, maybe some of these high church arch whatever actually love people i can't i don't know the heart yeah but everything they're doing is saying you're not important that's right okay that's not the picture paul's drawing here amen so i drew a verbal picture in my sermon yes said, that's not what this is about amen what the scriptures are saying that we're all equipped we're all anointed by the spirit and we're to by love serve one another amen and that god has given different gifts to each member, and that that's important. That's right. And so what the apostles and prophets, which are once for all, there are no valid authoritative apostles and prophets today. Yes. Just false ones. Okay. And then you have pastors, teachers, evangelists, okay, and the ministry that's done. But it's to equip the saints, not the saints are just the subjects of hearing things or doing things right. for the leadership. That's right. They're doing ministry. Yeah. Amen. And you know, Bob, it's interesting that you mentioned that the the point of the apostles and prophets verse in verse 11, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, it's for the purpose of equipping the saints. What's interesting is Paul could have mentioned other gifts, but he uses those particular gifts because these are the men that gives the scriptures. And it's the scriptures that are primary in building up the new man. Uh, we have the idea of the renewed mind in Romans 12 too. Well, how do we have this renewed mind where we're no longer conformed to the image of this world? Well, it's through the scriptures. And so it shows you, you're exactly right, Bob. God intends to have the saints involved in ministry. And that's why earlier you had mentioned 1 Corinthians 12, Paul said that the eye could not say to the hand, I have no need of you. Right. And the image there was that something in the hierarchy and in the, in the leadership couldn't say to someone deemed to be less important that they weren't important. No, their gifts 
that is the gift of each and every single believer is necessary for the cause of Christ, the gospel of Christ, and for the edification of the whole church. Amen. Now, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So the five ministry gifts are for equipping the saints. Who are they? The redeemed. Amen. Now their issue about defining a church. Yes. Now, Bob, let me just ask you, you, for all the years that you've been a pastor, you've been around where people oftentimes have the misconception that somehow the saint is someone that's voted on by some church hierarchy. Uh, well, one, you see it in a paper. Yeah. The Pope decides who's a saint, and they had to have done three miracles and be go through some process. Right. That's absurd. They have to know that's not biblical. <laughs> right. Yeah, without, it, it would almost not have to Not that try. they even care. That's right. They could care less about what the Bible actually says. I've run into that my whole life yeah. dealing with Roman Catholics. They don't know, and they don't care. Right. Show up and do what you're told. Yeah, that's now, right. Now, if you want to tell me I'm being unfair, go ahead and say that, but you know I'm telling you the truth. That's right. Show up. And do what you're told. If you go to the priest, by the way, that's false. Yes. There's only one high priest, that's Jesus. Amen. And then there's the priesthood of every believer. All of us. So if you really are a believer, you're as much a priest as any other believer. That's right. But most of these priests don't even know Christ, so they're not priests of any kind. Yes. And they say, and you ask, what does the scripture say about this, that, and the other thing? I've had people do that. Yeah. When they come to Christ as a Catholic. Yeah. The priests don't even know the Bible. Right. I'm not saying none of them do, but most of the time they don't. That's right. They just know how to go through the mumbo jumbo. That's right. That's not the church. Yeah. Okay? That's not the church. The church are people born of God. The only way to be part of the one new man, which is thematic in the whole book of Ephesians, yeah. Ephesians 2, 15, is to be born of God. Amen. And... That also implies that the children of those born of God are not saints either, unless and until they actually are born of God themselves. Well said, Bob. Amen. And you know, Bob, it's so easy for these prelates and these higher-ups in the churches to know the distinction, because the term for saints, hagios, it's not difficult. It's one who's set apart. And how is it that a person is set apart in the Scriptures? Well, it's by the work of God. And he brings right. us to conversion through regeneration. Well, that's not really hard to understand. So it's you're not right. difficult. Yeah, they don't even want to know. They don't care. They don't care. And it just means sanctified ones. That's right. People made holy. What makes us holy? Do we do more good works than somebody else? Right, right. No, we're it's made absurd. holy by the blood of Christ. Amen. And so we need to give God all the glory. That's the, there's your five souls. There's one of them. That's right. All glory to God. And I've been preaching through Ephesians that... Ulogetas, or the Hebrew concept in the Old Testament of the Barakah, yeah. blessing God, three times it says to the praise of his glory. Right. He's the one who's doing it. God makes saints, That's right. not church prelates. Oh, I love that, Bob. That's very good. God makes saints, not men. Right. Amen. And so the gospel is the means God uses. Yes. And all of us have the gospel on our lips. And... Some children of believers become believers and are born of God. Some are not. Right. So we can't build the church on into the future based on genetics. 
Amen. If we believe that, then we don't believe Ephesians 2.15 about the one new man being comprised of saved Jews and Gentiles. That's right. Whoever they may be. Yeah, that's right. And I know all believers do want their children to be saved. We all do, and I do. Yeah. And but that's in God's hands. Yeah. God makes Christians, not parents and not church leaders. Well said. You know, Bob, some time ago, I think you and I were doing radio, and you had mentioned that a lot of mischief has been done in church history because people want to ensure in kind of a manufactured way that their children are saints. Well, of course we want that. Right. And like you're pointing out, though, this is impossible because it's a work of God. Well, let me give you an analogy. Yeah. Paul wanted as much as anybody for all of his Jewish brothers and sisters to be part of the one new man. Amen. And Paul himself, who wasn't married and didn't have children, but his corporate solidarity was with the Jewish Jewish brethren. Yes. And he said, I could wish myself a curse, a curse from yeah. Christ. Right. Wow. So his desire was as strong as any desire of any of you who are listening who are parents right. for your children. But what that did for Paul was motivate him to continue to preach the gospel Amen. to all people. That's right. Okay? Because we don't know who the elect are looking forward into the future, but we do know that God uses the gospel. Amen. And so it's right that we want our children to be Christian, just as Paul wanted his Jewish brothers to be Christian. But he said, the one new man is made up of Jews and Gentiles. That's right. And when Galatians was written, they were trying to force the Gentiles to act like Jews. He anathematized them. That's right. Okay. So he didn't allow his emotion to determine his doctrine. Amen. That's it right there. Okay. So dear saints, don't let that happen to you. Yeah. Do treat your children in a godly way. Train them in the ways of God. Tell them the gospel. But when they grow up, whether they serve God or not, that's between them and God yes. and the gospel. But don't pretend they're Christians when they're not. Yeah, right. Just Amen. because they're Christianized. Most of the institutions, the churches, the Bible colleges, the seminaries, the denominations are run by the descendants of Christians. Yeah. And many of whom are not regenerate. They're just Christianized. And that's why we have all this apostasy in the church. That's right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. You know, so many times, Bob, people allow their emotions to dictate their theology well, rather that's than the what, other way like around. Baptizing babies. That's right. Or the age of accountability. Or, yeah. Or whatever they come up with. Yeah. We talked about that in Sunday school. Right. Okay. Let's just say baptism saves you and we should, we should baptize babies. Right. Now let's just tell everybody at the funeral, so-and-so was baptized as a baby, we know they're in heaven. Yeah, he's a great example. Well, that's a nice emotion, but do you know it's true? Yeah, right. It's what if not... that person served the devil his whole life and never repented? Are you sure they're in heaven? Right, that's well said. Okay, so we can't go along making up doctrine to suit our emotional needs. Yes. Because Paul didn't do that. Yeah. Because he could wish himself a curse from Christ, if that would do any good to his brothers— he didn't make up a doctrine that says, if you're Jewish, you're saved. Right. <laughs> that's a good example. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's an analogy. Right. All right. 
So who is equipped? The saints. Who are the saints? Those born of God. Amen. Who are the ones born of God? People who have heard the gospel, repented, and believed in Christ, yeah. whether they be Jew or Gentile, whatever their background, however wicked they had been. Paul considered himself the worst sinner, but God saved him. Yes. So it's not where you've been. It's not who you were. It's not your pedigree. It's not any of those things. It's not your economic status. Right. It's about whether you know Christ and are serving him by his grace that you're a saint. Amen. And so if you are a saint, you're one that God wants to equip for the work of the ministry. That's right. Now, Bob, you had mentioned just a little bit ago that we believe in the doctrine of the priesthood of every believer. Amen. And we see this in uh, Peter's writings. We see it in Paul when he's talking about how we're the temple of God. Yes. And so we see it all over the, the scriptures. But what's significant about that then is this building idea where you have, like you were mentioning, high church with a uh, cathedral and you've got these vaulted ceilings. That's not church. And that's not the building of God that God is building, but rather he's building human beings into this new building that are believers in yeah. Christ. And they may meet anywhere. Yeah, could be a house. I'm not claiming to have be a lawgiver that says you can't have a church building. Oh, exactly. That's right. And you may end up meeting in one that somebody else built that has all that kind of stuff built into That's it. That's right. You can meet in any building, or a garage or a house or uh, whatever. That's right. It's, it's just a facility. That's right. So you and I are saying, look, the term for church, ecclesia, is the assembly of believers. The called out ones. Amen. Yeah. That's Amen. Right. So. We we have to define the church. We don't know what we're talking about. That's right. But I do have a theory. I think the vaulted ceilings and the stained glass and the, all the expensive architecture and a waste of square or cubic feet, if you want to call it that. Yeah. I think they're trying to create fake transcendence. I love that. Yes. I said that in a sermon. Yeah. I was in a church for a funeral not long ago, just a week or two ago. Yeah. And they had... Behind the center of the where the pulpit would be, yeah, stained glass that was like what I'm talking about. It, w it went way up and then went to a point at the top. Wow! And it was very beautiful, and it went way up behind the speaker. But it drew your eyes away from the Word of God, yeah, up toward this architecture. But see, they think, well, it's making a point toward heaven. Well. What was what were what did they build that was trying to go into heaven? Yeah, the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel. <laughs> That's right. So, if you're on some committee building a building for a facility, right? Don't copy the Tower of Babel in your architecture because it's just right. taking people away from what the church really is, which is the people. That's right. That's and right. the Word of God should be center. Right. So focus on things where people can hear. The Word of God. PowerPoint is fine because you're seeing the Word of God, because that's what we put up there. Yeah, yes. We put up the Scripture, and people can hear the words. It's, I've been in some of these cathedrals of the big vault. The, the acoustics are horrid. Right, right. So you can hardly hear. It echoes all around, so nobody can even hear. That's but right. it doesn't matter. Right. They don't care what's being said anyhow. That's right. So, so much in church history has nothing to do with what Paul's talking about here. Yeah. Amen. You know, Bob, that's so important. I, I think about your category of fake transcendence with the architecture. That's obviously in contradistinction to the true transcendence that we learn about of God from the scriptures. So it's true. a doctrine yes. of 
the transcendence of God is something we learn from Scripture. Exactly. It's Scripture, not the, the architecture. God is unseen. That's right. But having some magnificent thing that's trying to point us up toward heaven. Yeah. And then incense waffling on up there. That's right. That's not helping anybody believe in God's transcendence as it's defined in Scripture. As you were saying that, Bob, I was thinking of Paul in Romans 8 where he talks about we live by hope, not by sight. And he says, who hope for what he already sees? But he says, we, um, we, per- yeah, we, by faith, I think. So. Yeah, by faith, we persevere and patiently await it. So the point is, when we're waiting for the promises, we're yes. doing so by trusting in the scriptures, which reveals true transcendence of who God is. We don't live by going to a building and saying, well, because I'm under this pleasing architecture and I feel I'm close to God, all must be right with my soul in the world. Yeah, it it's isn't a, about feeling close to God. It's about drawing near. Amen. I would commend our listeners to the series on the book of Hebrews. Yeah. That we have on CICministry.org. That's right. There's a whole radio series on Hebrews. Um, the book of Hebrews really answers all of this. That's right. We've come to the heavenly assembly, but we can't see it, and we don't have to try to make it feel like it's here. That's right. It's not It's not here. Okay, so to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Equip is a noun here, but it describes being put in proper order. Mm. Being put in proper order. So uh, the same word is used in Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were created by the word of God in order that that which is Seen did not come into existence from what is visible. There's a, what we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah, amen. That's right. The word created there, katartizo, is a uh, form of the same word used here, which means the whole universe was put into proper order by wow, God. Wow, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah. From the unseen God. Yeah, amen. And so I also referenced in my sermon, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Let me oh, yeah. cite that. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, in order that the person of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Now, look at that. Now, that also is Paul, and it's also Timothy in Ephesus. Yes, exactly. So we have an Ephesus connection. That's right. Okay? So what is it saying? Scripture is inspired by God. Where did that come from? Yeah. The apost- Christ, the cornerstone, the apostles and prophets is the foundation. Amen. That's, That's right. Scripture, Scripture alone. Yes. What's it profitable for? Teaching. Who's taught? The saints. Saints, yeah. For reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. Amen. Where does that come from? Right. Scripture. Scripture alone. Yes. Verse 17, in order that the, the man of God or person of God, it's an anthropos, generic, yeah. may be competent... Now, who's the person of God, competent and equipped? Who is that? Yeah, the saint. But see, a lot of people read that and they think, well, that's the pastor. Oh, sure, right? Yeah, they make it into a hierarchical issue. Although the pastor ought to be equipped. Yeah, right. And the pastor ought to be competent. Right. Anybody teaching the Word of God ought to be. Yeah, amen. But here, the training for every good work is for all people. Amen. And Bob, you know, I love in that verse 17 where he talks about it's every good work. The term in Greek there, pas, you know, every or all. The question to the audience and everyone who will attack um, perhaps this idea, if, if you're out there and you're maybe a contrarian, this idea of Scripture alone being sufficient, 
Paul is saying that in that passage that Scripture is sufficient for every good work. So what else do we need? We don't need the high vaulted ceilings. We don't need no, this we need fake scripture. transcendence. Yeah, yeah and, and the reason I'm linking this to Ephesians 4.12 is just using the cognate verb. Yeah. There's a noun in Ephesians 4.12, but there's a verb here in 2 Timothy 3.17. And the quipped is, is a cognate word. Same word with ek rather than kata prefix. And it means to put in order. Yeah, there you go. Wow. So the whole church is being put in order Amen. for the work of ministry. Wow. Okay. So we're running out of time, but I want to go to what was the next slide of my yes. uh, sermon. I laid out two translations that would affect how we understand this. So That's right. let's kind of come back to where we started here. Yeah. So the King James has it this way for Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, this all is mod modifying he gave. Yeah. Who did he give? Well, the, the, the fivefold ministry. Yeah. Okay. So in that translation, it's just those ministry gifts, not everybody who's perfecting the saints, doing the work of the ministry, and edifying the body. Wow. So the King James translation implies high church. That's right. And clergy laity distinction. I'm not saying that they had some bad motive. I mean, you could yeah, right. claim that the Anglican church in England was the reason they wanted to do that, because that's the sort of church they had. Sure. But maybe they, they just understood it. Yeah, they, they just gaffed it. I yeah. don't know motives. Right, right. Okay. But the ESV here has to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, yeah. for the building of the body of Christ, implying the saints do the work of the ministry and so forth. Amen. Okay. Now, in the Greek, the reason for the issue, as we're running out of time here, and the reason we think that some of these other translations have it right, is that there are three prepositions in verse 12. The first one is pros. And the next two are ice and ice. Yeah. Pros means toward, and pros would modify gave. That's right. And then the change, ice is into. Yeah. So he gave toward or for the building of the body into the work of the ministry and so on. Right, right. So there's good evidence that the first preposition, pros, modifies gave. Yes, it's governing. And the next two apply to all. Exactly. That's so that's right. why we're making a more of an issue than we usually have to about translation. That's right. And so the word building is repeated in verse 16 of Ephesians 4 in a form somewhat of an inclusio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would be like brackets. Right. So the same word building, building up the body of Christ, is found in Ephesians 4, 16. So let, we want to close on that. Yeah. And then next week we'll pick up here. Right. Let me give you a little preview. Ephesians 4, 16. From whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, according to the working by measure of each single part, the growth of the body makes for the building up of itself in love. I think that settles it right there. Right, that's right. Because yeah. this word building is repeated 
And so verse 16 gives us a few verses down, fills in what he's talking about. Right. The point isn't the apostles and prophets per se. It's the fact that they were given as gifts so they could build up the body. Yeah, so in verse 16, you have every part working together. Amen. So listeners, look up Ephesians 4.16. Look what's going on. What's Paul talking about? And then when you go back to the first use of building, you see what he means there. That's right. It's very clear. Yeah, amen. And so the whole clergy lady chasm, high church, archbishops, popes, whatever the denomination may have. That's right. It's not really found in these passages. Yeah, well said. It's the whole body. And so we have the authority of Scripture and the priesthood of every believer. Yeah, amen. Well, very fitting time to end on this one. We're out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. We both want to remind you out there that you can access this program at our website at cicministry.org. Well, Bob, it's a pleasure discussing these things, and I look forward to talking more about the book of Ephesians next week. So do I. We want to remind all of you out there, as it says in Philippians 1.27, stand firm in one spirit with one mind, and strive together for the faith of the gospel. 